We're beginning a new series today. Pray with me as we dive into this. I think God wants to do such a beautiful thing in the area of tweaking, transformation, adjusting, shifting. Father, we just welcome you right now into this place. We know that you're here, two or more gathered. We know that you're enthroned because we've worshiped you. And we pray that you would manifest yourself to each individual, touching every life here. Not, not one, not one hearing from you, not one uh, being touched from you. You administer to every person by the power of your Holy Spirit through your word. And we thank you, Father, for that. In Jesus' name, pray for your grace and your anointing that everyone said. Occasionally, we will minister and begin a series from a book. Now, the book is based on the Bible, but we'll take a book and do a series. We're beginning that series today called Beyond Bless. Will you say that with me? Beyond Bless. How many of you could stand to be blessed a little more in areas of your life? And the rest of you can go ahead and fib if you want to. All right, here we go. <laughs> Beyond Blessed, it's on. The whole uh, theme of Beyond Blessed is biblical stewardship. Would you say that with me? Biblical stewardship. In February of 2015, about four and a half years ago, I did a series on a book called The Blessed Life at Emma Street. How many of you remember The Blessed Life? How many of you read The Blessed Life? There's a lot that have not, and I encourage you, if you want to read an outrageous book, seriously, read The Blessed Life. The author of that book is the same author of the book Beyond Blessed. His name is Pastor Robert Morris. In the Blessed Life series, it was based on generosity and giving, etc., in that area of finances. And uh, something took place after he wrote that book, and it was like something was missing to some degree, and we're going to get to that. And so he decided to write this book called Beyond Blessed. Now, I want to tell you right now, The Blessed Life was an amazing, amazing book, uh, and this book that that I've read so far, Beyond Blessed, is just beautiful. One based in generosity, one based in financial stewardship. Why would you talk about financial, biblical stewardship in church? Well, you would talk about it because Jesus talked about it, and he talked about it a lot. Let me give you an example from the blessed life. Pastor Robert says, he says that, Jesus shared, or there's in the Bible, not that Jesus shared all of them, but in the Bible, there's more than 500 scriptures pertaining to prayer. There's uh, uh, nearly 500 verses that address faith. But over 2,000 verses dealing with money and possessions. Goes on to talk about that Jesus is out of his 38 parables, 16 of them dealt with money and possessions, almost half. If Jesus sees this as a very important subject, then of course, we're going to adopt it at heart of the city church. In the Ford and Beyond Blessed, how many of you ever heard of a guy named Dave Ramsey? He writes the Ford and he shares this, this quote. I want to read it because it comes, it's actually where I got the theme or the subtitle for the sermon today. Pastor, he says, Pastor Robert compares being wise with money to a person standing on two legs. Hence the title, if, you, if it's up or behind me or if you've seen it. The blessed life explained the importance of one leg, generous giving. 
But beyond blessed focuses on the other leg, biblical stewardship. I thought the blessed life was absolutely amazing. Pastor Roberts in the blessed uh, blessed beyond, beyond blessed. He, he starts talking a little bit about the blessed life because he writes this book and it just goes worldwide. It goes ballistic in printings and so forth and so on. And he had many, many, many people come to him and tell him testimonies about the blessed life. But he also got this type of testimony occasionally. Maybe it was at a conference or maybe it was in the church or when he ran into someone. And people would come up to him and said this, said this, we tried it and it didn't work. And I can only imagine what he's thinking. Tried what? Well, trying to be generous and it didn't work. Which sounds very weird to me. <laughs> tried being generous is a lifestyle. We give because we, if you're a guest, new, haven't been around for a long time, at Heart of the City Church, we have one motivation. We give because we, I personally practice tithe and so forth given in areas, but I want to tell you, the basis behind it is love. If you give, 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 give in order to get, 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 I want to tell you right now, you're building on sand. Because God looks upon the heart of every man. Now, I can't do that, but God does. And I want to let you know that if, if that's the motivation of giving, I want to, I just encourage you that God wants to do a shift in your heart. Well, he saw this Obviously happening, he took an assumption from his book, uh, The Blessed Life, and he wrote Beyond Blessed because he ran into this situation. And I want to read for a minute what was the assumption that he took from it. And uh, just listen as I read what Pastor Robert said. He says this in the Beyond Blessed. Gradually, I began to understand that I'd built the message of the blessed life on an assumption. What's the assumption? I'll get to it in a minute. If you think the book's message as a house, then there's an underlying and assumption serving as the house foundation. That foundation assumption is this. We have to live within our means. Put another way, you can't spend or give more than you have. The assumption that I took away from his book, the reason why he wrote Beyond Blessed was this. He assumed possibly that those who were generous was also good stewards. Just because someone's generous doesn't mean that they're good stewards. Are you following me? People can be generous and be pretty whacked out in their stewardship and their finances. So because of that, he writes this book, Beyond Blessed, in the area of the foundation to build under the house of generosity, stewardship. I personally would say if you're not a good steward or you're not generous, you have both of your feet nailed to the floor. God wants to unnail both of our feet so that we can be who God calls us to be, to be and so forth and so on. In this series, we're, you're going to hear people preach and teach and, and touch on areas, all kinds of areas of finances, stewardship, uh, many areas, but primarily... It is a series on stewardship, biblical stewardship. Will you say that with me? Biblical stewardship is vital. We're going to dig deep today. 
We're going to go beyond the mud, the sand, the grit. We're going to get to the bedrock. I hope that you are moved by this sermon today so that you understand clearly what a good steward is and that how we're called to be a good steward. And you'll also walk away from here with a biblical aspect and understanding of how important it is to Jesus that every person in this room be a good steward. He wants to bless you, but you have to be a good steward in order to be, uh, to receive that blessing. Back in the 90s, I texted him between gatherings. I had a, a, a really wonderful friend. His name is Wayne Hungate. We did all kinds of things in the faith when it come to ministering together uh, down in southern Idaho, Meridian, Boise, that whole area. He was also my, my insurance man, and he looked at me one day, and he says, J.O., do you have a budget? And I said, budget? I make the same amount every week or every month, and it comes in and it goes out. No, I don't have a budget. J.O., I want to challenge you to get a budget. What, what difference would it make, Wayne? This comes in. It's exactly what comes in. We pay our bills, and it goes out. I want to challenge you to get a budget. My wife and I up to that point had not put together a budget. I want you to listen to me today. If you're married, if you're single, if you're a youth, a young adult, whoever you are, listen to me real close. Radine and I took on that challenge. I remember Radine taking this big piece of paper about like this. It was really big. Wasn't it big? pretty big. I might be exaggerating a little bit. It was big. It looked like an accounting paper, a spreadsheet. And she started writing out our budget. And I tell you what, up to that point, we had fought. We had argued, however, however you want to word it. We had been stressed out. We had fought. We had however you want to term a husband and a wife stressed and fighting over finances. We did it. And here we are, we've got this big accountant paper, and she had written it out with her beautiful, she got beautiful handwriting, and just started writing it out. Okay, here we go, this is what we make, and here's tithe, and here's what we pay on our house, and here's for clothing and groceries and haircuts, and just on and on. I may be wrong, but since that begun, I do not remember having a fight over finances. Maybe we have. If, it, if we have, they've been, can't remember. They've been far and few between. She still today takes care of our budget. It looks way different. I don't even know exactly what it looks like. It's a lot smaller. She deals with it. I'm so grateful to have a wife who likes numbers and receipts and all that stuff and runs our budget. She keeps me informed of it, and I'm very grateful for that. But I want to let you know it was a marriage, life, family change when that took off. JL, 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 I'm single, dude. I make 20 bucks a month. Why do I need a budget? You need a budget now. I'm a young adult. I'm a youth. I don't, you know, I may, I throw the newspaper, bro. I don't need a, you need a budget. If you don't give when you make 20 bucks, do you think you're going to really give when you make $20,000 or when you make $2 million? No, 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 no. You, you start right where you are and you begin to begin to become a good steward today. No 
matter who you, had a single mom come up to me last night. Hey, J.O., J.O., I'm a single mom. She told me her name. She has three kids. She says, hey, I want to let you know that uh, uh, having a budget is not just for married couples. I started a budget, and she was so pumped up. I, I pumped up. I was just like, I am so proud of you. She was like on cloud nine because of the impact it's making upon her life as a single mother. I, I promise you, if you move like this, God moves like this. I pick up pennies. Uh, Chad, why do you pick up pennies? I mean, I just throw them. I pick up pennies. Unless I think it might belong to someone else. I'm going to pick up a penny, a dime, a nickel. Because why would get God ever give me 100,000 pennies or a million pennies if I won't pick up a penny? Plus, it says, in God we trust. So I pick up a penny and he's like, you trusting me today? Oh, yo, 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 I'm trusting you today. <laughs> How would you, church, feel if you wasn't always under financial stress? Imagine that you could give to worthy causes, tithe, offerings, save, save for your future, you feel led to give to a single mom or someone in need or whatever, you're able to do it in a heart moment because you have the finances, you're not stressed, you're not strapped, all those, how, putting your treasures in heaven, storing them in heaven. How, how many of you think that sounds good? Absolutely. If it doesn't sound good, it's like, bro, are you breathing? Well, I believe it all comes from being a good steward. It's not from winning the lottery. Oh, if I, got a, if I win the lottery, Gardo, if I win the lottery, man, I'm a Idaho, two billion. If I, I, I'm a, do you know that in, in five years, 5% of all those who win lottery go bankrupt? People have been miserable from, bank, from, from lottery before. Many have went broke, so forth and so on. Because it's not spelled L-O-T-T-E-R-Y. It's spelled good stewardship. Good stewardship. I want to talk to you about that today because we need to dig past all the junk and mud and I want to I get in three areas today. I really want us to get to the bedrock so that you're building on the rock, the two legs on the rock. Can anybody smell what the rock is cooking? Come on, somebody. You want to get on the rock, not moving sand, not dirt, not on the rock in three areas when it comes to this subject today as we Move on as we begin this series. There's three areas that you have to really get rooted in your heart. Area, can we go deep? Yes. It's, it's deep. It's simple. It may be profound if you've not heard it. But the first one is this. Here we go. Whose am I to whom do I belong? Whose am I and to whom do I belong? Do I belong to me? Am I my own? If I am a born 
again, blood-bought son or daughter of God, am I my own or whom do I belong to? We need to settle that if you're ever going to be a good steward, biblical good steward. So let's read a scripture. You ready? 1 Corinthians 19, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. We ready? You ready? Y'all with me today? Y'all with me? If this makes you feel weird, we talking about good stewardship, you have to go to your heart right now and go, why does it make me feel weird? Just because it makes you feel weird doesn't mean I'm not going to preach it. I would never preach hell because hell makes everyone feel weird. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God and you are not your own. Say that with me, I'm not my own. For you are bought at a price. Look at your neighbor right there. Look at him right in their eyes and say, you were bought at a price. What was the price? Was it a, was it a, was it a thousand? Did he, did he pay a thousand for you? Was it, was it a ten thousand? Was it a million? Was it a trillion? No, it was so far beyond all of that. The God of the universe stepped out of heaven in the form of a man. Remember God's selfie, Jesus? He steps out of the universe as a man, Jesus, and he goes and he takes on your sin, the entire sin of the entire world. He was beat to a pulp, probably almost not recognizable, and he did it all for you and I. He laid his life. He died for you and I. The ultimate cost. Why? So he you could be his so that you could have eternal life. He paid for you. He paid for me. If you're a born-again believer this morning, listen to me, you're not your own. Paul said it this way, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Let me finish this scripture. For you are bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Did you get that? My first question to you this morning is, whose are you? One person said God. Congratulations, you got it. <laughs> whose are you? If you're a born-again believer, whose are you? Do we agree on that, biblically speaking? Now, if you're not a born-again believer, I get it, man. I used to run with the devil, and I was all about me, and so forth and so on. I got that. Now, if you're not a born-again believer, you're going to have the opportunity to receive Christ. At every gathering this weekend so far, we've had people to receive Christ. Why? Because you don't want to own your own body. You want the person who built you, made you, created you to be in charge of you because he knows best. Amen? Listen to this one, Luke 17, 33. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. Listen, we so many times out of selfishness will try to keep, 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 me, 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 my, 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 my. How many of you have ever had to raise your kids that when they're three, when you're in a candy store, you raise them? Hey, as soon as we go in there, I want you to start begging for candy. <laughs> How many of you raise your kids to do that? No, 
they automatically do it. We're automatically born into sin. We're automatically selfish. And we all automatically want candy. But if we release, it, if we release those things to God and trust him and understand that we are no longer our own. I've been bought with a price. I'm a son, not a daughter, but you may be a daughter. And by the way, you own me, God. The very first place that we all have to come to when it comes to good stewardship this morning is understand you don't belong to you. If you still own you, then I would have to say, you need to get born again again. Are you with me? Biblically speaking, we are owned by God. Are we in agreement? Everybody in agreement? Wonderful. Thank you. That's a, that's a bedrock place that you have to be in order to be a good steward. Number two, but what about the stuff? What about all this, all, all the stuff? How about the car? And how about the house? And how about the skinny jeans? And how about the shoes and the, and the lipstick and the long eyelashes and the earrings and the haircuts? And, and how about the dog? And, and, and how about the carpet? And, and how about the land? How about the, how about the home? J-O, hey, J.O., look right here. The title right here. It says it's got my name on it. Uh, uh, the car. It's got, look, 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 look. I went there myself, bought it. It's my, uh, how about the stuff? Who owns the stuff? Well, let's look at that biblically right now. Because about 30 of you said it and a lot of you are quiet. And I have to prove it to you all. And that's okay. Part of my job. I'm into it. That you walk out of here because I want Heart of the City Church to be the greatest stewards in our city. Integrous. Giving good stewards. Psalms 24, 1. I'll read it. Listen to this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. <laughs> you mind saying something with me? Will you say everything? everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. All the people belong to God. Verse number one, are you with me? Here's the next one. Psalms 50, 10 through 11. Here we go. For all the animals of the forest are mine. And I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains. And all the animals of the field are mine. The pride Lions in Africa is his. The wildebeest herd is his. The elk herd that I just saw the other night belongs to him. Crazy goats belong to him. The chickens belong to him. The birds of the air, the eagles, everything, all the things in the earth. I want to let you know the 10 carat ring on your finger, the fake diamond on your finger, the gold, the silver, the copper, everything, the stars and the moon and the sun and the galaxy. There's all mine, says the Lord. It's all mine. The gold earrings now hanging in your ears, they are mine, God says. 
You, you, you have to get this to go on the journey that God wants us all to take to be good stewards. Jail, 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 jail. Is, is, is the cattle on a thousand and one hills his? How about a cattle on a thousand and two hills? How about a cattle on a thousand and five hills? Are they his? Yeah, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, 10,000 hills, a hundred thousand hills, a million hills. He owns the hills. He owns the mountains. He owns the dirt, the, the crust, the rock, the sand, the shell, the, 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 the trees. The clouds around it, the snow that falls on it, the rain that falls on it. He owns it all. Are you being convinced? Biblically speaking, if you're going to be a good steward, you have to grasp this. He owns it all. I don't own me, and I don't own the stuff. He owns me. He owns it all. My body, I try to take care of it. I go to the gym maybe three, four times a week. But you know what? It's not mine. My home, yeah, I have a title legally, but it's not mine. My wife, I'm married legally. Uh, I've been married for almost, well, 29-some years. And before we were ever married, she was a daughter of God. She don't belong to me. My kids right there, Jamie there, uh, Seth there, J Jonesy in the belly right there, they don't belong to me. They're God's. Listen to me. Before they were ever in mama's womb, God knew them before they were in the womb. They don't belong to us. They are his, and God calls you and I to be good stewards. Jail, that's not what the world taught me. That's exactly the truth. The world does not teach you that. But it is the kingdom of God, and it is a wonderful truth, and you have to take this journey with me in order from going to ownership to stewardship. And that is a shift. That's a transformation. Be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed, one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible, Romans 12. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know what the good and pleasing and perfect will of God is. We're not called to be like the world. We're not called to be conformed to the world, to think like the world, to be like the world. I have to really be careful with that, even in the things that I learn. I want to learn and be like Jesus and his word. If you're a born-again believer today, you're not your own. I'm not my own. I no longer live for my life. You're not the owner of your own. We are stewards, stewards of a loving and generous God. A steward. A person employed to manage another's property. A person, this is who we are. A person employed to manage another's property. If I own my home, then guess what I have to do? I got to maintain it. I got to pay the bills. 
I got to do the upkeep. I got to take care of the HVAC. I got to fix the hole in the roof. I got to, it's all my responsibility. Well, J.O., it's your responsibility anyway, but just get the click. If it's not my home, I have a landlord. You might get that in a minute. I have a landlord that I can go to, that I can call up. Jesus, it's yours. It's, I know my name's on the title, God, but this is your home. I've been bought with a price. It's not mine. It's yours, God. You're ultimately on the title here, and I go to my landlord. If it's your business, you got to take care of all 300 of those employees that's whining around trying to take you to court. But if it's his business, if it's your gym, you better make sure that gym is clean and make sure that all the dumbbells and everything. But if it's his business, are you following me? I'm not my own. And all the stuff is his. Number three, that we have to dig down to the bedrock. Are you a good steward? I'm not my own. All the stuff is his. Am I a good steward? If you're a good steward, you're going to live a blessed life. The problem with that is most people are not good stewards. It just is a fact. That's why we're doing the stewardship. 2014 survey, 3,068 adults, Harris, Paul, 72% Americans feeling stressed about money the previous month. 72% of Americans out of that poll was feeling stressed about money the previous month. 22% was feeling extremely stressed. So that tells me probably 72% of us in this room was somehow dealing with stress of, of finances last month possibly, and maybe 22% of us was feeling an enormous stress about finances last month. Now, I'm not going to have you hold up your hand, but it's probably somewhere, it probably is really happening. Now, I want to read a scripture that I believe that God really wants us to be. It's out of 3 John 1, 2, and it's a beautiful scripture. Just receive this today, and it says this, 3 John 1, 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, if you dissect that scripture just for a minute, God wants you to prosper in what? Can somebody say all things? And in health, and even as your soul prospers. Are you with me in that? If you don't want to prosper, then don't. But the Bible says that he wants you to prosper. But here's, here's the perspective, right? Let's just take health for a moment. Let's just take health. God wants us to be stewards of finances, of our family, of our health, of every area of our life. But let's just take health for a moment. You know what? I'm going to eat whatever I want, and I'm just never going to exercise. I'm going to do whatever I want. And I know that that's food is terrible for me. I'm going to eat it anyway. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to name it and claim it. Health over me. I'm going to confess it and possess it. Health over me. I'm going to magically be healthy just because the Bible wants me to be healthy. But you know what? According to 2013, an average American ate 146.6 pounds of sugar or sweeteners. 146.6 pounds of sugars or sugar or sweeteners. And by the way, I'm just going to declare it. I'm, I'm healthy. 
I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm just going to claim it. Magically, I hope to be healthy. Because with the mouth that I'm eating, uh, 150 pounds of sugar, I'm just going to declare it. It doesn't work that way. Come on. He wants us to be good stewards of our body because they're not your body. It doesn't mean, let me, let, me, let me bring a balance to it. It doesn't mean that you can't have a cookie and eat a little bit of sugar, but you're not pounding sugar all day long. Are you with me? There's a radical middle there. God wants us to be good stewards. Diseases are running rampant. Here's the point. Good stewardship. Because it's not yours. He is so extravagantly generous. Listen to me. God is so extravagantly generous with everything that you actually think you own it. He's so generous, you think you own it. It ain't true. You don't own the business. You don't own your body. You don't own it. He owns it. Now, you can own it, but, but don't line up with the Bible. Biblically speaking, if you're born again, I'm not my own. The stuff is his. And God calls me to be a good steward. J.O., can you prove that God wants me personally, biblically speaking, to be a good steward? Very easy. I'm going to close with reading a passage of Scripture. And I, is my passage going to be up, you guys? Is that passage, help me up in the back. Is my pass, is that good? I want you to go along with me. I'm going to interrupt it a few times. I want to read this. It's so, it's so vital that you understand what I'm preaching on today is very, very important to the Father. It's very important to the Father. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. You ready? Can you read along with me? I'm going to interrupt. I want to make a few points as we go. Make sure that you understand that it's about the kingdom of heaven because it begins with that. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants. These people are his servants. And delivered his goods. Matt, can I use you for a moment? Matt, if I give you something that belongs to me and I ask you to take care of it, for some reason, does it all of a sudden belong to you? No, because it's my goods, right? How about if I give you my goods and I say, take care of them? I don't know when I'm going to return, Matt, but it still belongs to me. But would you take care of them? Would you invest? Is it yours? No, it's my goods, right? Thank you for letting me use you. It's his goods, not yours. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he had received the five talents, went and traded them, and made five, made another five talents. That's pretty cool, isn't it? God gives you a business, and God uses you to multiply it five times. It's, wow. By the way, talents is money. Talent, one talent one talent is, let me, let me get this down. Ten, 
ten thousand one talent is ten thousand denarii. One denarius is one day wage of labor. So we're talking about money here when it comes to stewardship. Let me get back up. Let me finish reading. And likewise, he had received two, gained two more. But he who received one went and dug into the ground and hid his, look at this, Lord's money. After a long time, it doesn't matter how long it is, doesn't matter how long we're here on earth, we are stewards. Just because you're 100 years old doesn't mean somehow it became yours. It's still his for a long time. And after a long time, the Lord of the servants came and settled accounts with them. So he had received five talents, came and bought, brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents beside them. The Lord said to him, well done. Look, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Both of those were good stewards with what God had given them. They reproduced. They were called good and faithful servants. Joy of the Lord. God's favor and blessing was upon them. Look at the one that you have to understand and you read it, you come to the reality of how important this is to God. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. Look at this, very important for you to see this. And I was afraid. Fear will stop you from starting a budget today. Fear will stop you from being a steward and just possessing an ownership. Fear will try to control your life and keep both your feet nailed to the ground. Fear. And he went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. And look at the response if you wondered if this is important to the Father. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, don't get mad at me. Put your stones down. I'm just reading the Bible. You knew that I rip, reap where I had not sown and gather where I had not scattered. So you ought to have deposited my money. Whose money? He said, my money. My money with the bankers at my coming, and I would receive back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. Wow. What a beautiful principle. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he who has abundance. But from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. Whew, wow. They'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. From reading that, you probably can understand that God desires each and every one of us to be good stewards. He wants you to be blessed. But I got to share a hard truth with you in closing. He cannot bless a poor steward. If he blesses a poor steward, he could absolutely shipwreck your life. But he will bless 
a good steward, we see it over and over and over. My heart, I think our heart, you're going to hear different people preaching and teaching on this, is that, wow, no matter what we've done in the past, no matter how jacked up our finances is, I don't care how much credit, I looked up credit card debt yesterday, and I think it says Americans owe, owe I think it said $104 trillion in credit card debt. I'm sure there's a little bit of that in this room. God wants to touch our lives so that we can be great stewards, so that he can bless our lives. Let me close with this. Probably my third closing, maybe. It, it, praise God, it's not the 15th, right? Yeah, get a perspective. Deuteronomy 8.18, one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible is Deuteronomy 8. Let me, let me show you the vital, the vitalness of you and I being a good steward. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, You and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He, everyone say He, who gives you power to get wealth. That He may establish His covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. If you're wealthy today and you're a born-again believer, you're wealthy because God has given you the ability to do that. Now, if you're not a born-again believer and you're wealthy, you got, you got wealthy other ways. God can do whatever he wants to do, right? But what I want you to see is that it was that the old covenant would be established. Listen. How much more does God want to establish the new covenant in this day and time? I'm going to tell you right now, he wants to establish the new covenant in areas like Africa, the Horn, the West, the East, the North, in San Pedro Sula, in Afghanistan, in Coeur d'Alene, in Post Falls, in Huckleberry Finn, wherever you live. He wants to extend the new covenant. And I'm going to let you know right now, he uses those who are good stewards to be able to do that. Amen.